Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Shalila, and welcome to Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies hosted by Eric and Shalila, two, two people very passionate about movies who love talking about them, and sharing our thoughts with you. That's us. Before uh, Oscar season dies out completely, uh, we thought we'd revisit the movies nominated for Best Picture and give you guys a little rundown of basically where we fall in these. You know, is it worth watching? Should you take the time out of your day to catch a showing of it? How much should you put in store by our words? I don't know, but we're about to find out. Yeah, and we have two good reasons to be doing this. Number one is a little thing called SEO optimization, everybody. <laughs> but uh, number two is uh, all of these movies have just recently hit iTunes or Amazon or your preferred streaming slash rental service. If you're an AMC on demand kind of person, I don't know who those people are, but uh, it does exist now. Is that a thing? Um, yeah, you can now rent movies from AMC cinemas. Uh, nice. Like they have like a rental platform within their movie ticketing app. It's okay. Uh, it's different. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so those have all just hit. So basically, some of these movies are still in theaters too. So you kind of have this is like the perfect time to still see them if you want at home or in theaters. Uh, why don't we kick it off? Um, is there any particular order you would like to go in, Shalila? For some reason, I feel like we should start with 1917, but I don't have a reason. I think in every list I've ever read, they do it alphabetically, which means the number. I was about to first. say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just do that. That seems like the most fair. Yeah. No one can accuse us of bias because that's not how alphabetical. <laughs> this isn't works. the movie that I would start a bias with. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, why don't you start us off? Uh, 1917. Let's just start super easy. Uh, do you think that it is worth watching? Like, should someone catch up on it if they haven't already? Lovely, yeah, love to. Um, so here's where I fall in 1917. Um, I think it's a solid watch it, watch it if you can movie. And the reason I say that is because I think time is of the essence here. Um, it's because its biggest talking point is the gimmick that it is, is shot and edited to look like it was filmed in one sort of two takes um and i think that if you're going to appreciate that feat it should probably be in the theaters i, I it's 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 a pretty pretty stunning movie um a lot of care went into the cinematography and the editing and the shots and it's 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 quite gorgeous i'm not going to pretend it's it's not a fairly beautiful movie um and I think to, to fully take in the beauty of those shots, and if you're going to give it, you know, a shot at all, should probably be while it's in the theaters. And I, and at least in the UK, it is still very much the top build movie at every theater I've seen for some reason. It's they're still really giving it a lot of show times, so there's no real, you know, struggle to find a showing. Um, so just because I think it's worth seeing on the big screen, I'm going to say, yeah, solid, solid movie, worth a watch. Uh, okay, I'm going to agree with you uh, for exactly the same reasons uh i liked this movie a lot i don't think that i necessarily loved it but i really liked it um but i agree i feel like this is one of those movies where if you're not going to see it in like the best audio visual format possible then it's not like i, I just don't know if it's necessarily worth your time um because this isn't a movie like it's narrative is not what's carrying it it's really a, a you know, it's really relying on the visual medium component. So, uh, yeah, if it's still in theaters near you, catch it there. Because otherwise, I just can't imagine that, like, watching it on HBO on your phone or on the back of a 
seat plane like a in, on a plane is going to do it anything for you like i don't know why that would be good so yeah no it wouldn't um the, the fun the fun of this is i think it, this is i don't think this is a you know an uncommon opinion but the movie is kind of kind of feels like a video game um feels like a really cool shot video game um and part you know the camera trickery is a big part of that it's a a, you know it's a war movie and i'll just say it i honestly kind of think war movies are boring um i'm not i'm not big into them i don't think they inherently suck because they're war movies but they're not gonna like get me i'm not i'm not my dad so um <laughs> i i just i think it i think it's an exciting sort of video gamey movie and um it's, it's definitely impressive work um it, there's there's some there's actually some some it, some scenes that do kind of reframe how war is shown on film i i do i do really like some scenes where unexpected things happen um and it doesn't feel like the classic classic you know war porn that's always in war movies but a lot of it is still just that because it works right it's a classic classic subject to make film about so yeah, watch it on a big screen. So who do you think, uh, like who do you think should see this? Who, who do you think, uh, you know, uh, not just like the average Joe, but just based on the type of person, who do you think should get up and go see this movie? Who do you think it's really for? I think if you're, I'm going to be honest. I think I think almost, yeah, fair. I think I think almost anybody. If and I'm going to I'm going to answer this as a situational question rather than a person based question. Um, I think if you're just in the mood for something fairly epic on screen, um, you just you know want to go for a movie, a capital M movie, and you just you just want to go and see a big thing, and um, you know you want to see some performances and some, some you know explosions and some breathtaking shots and some genuinely really really like emotional moments, but also some moments that have some you know clunky character work that's in service of a beautiful shot um basically you just want to see a classic movie you just you want to go with your friends and yell at the screen and look at it it's a good movie for that so if you're you know you don't really want to cry over a movie i i don't think you're going to cry in 1917 i'm gonna be honest i've i've read some read some reviews that say there's some some emotional it's yeah it's emotional i mean there's obviously a story there's just young people in it no movie about war is not about loss but it's um it's kind of a classic movie, you know. It's, it's stuff happens on screen. It's uh, pretty pretty cool, and you're probably not going to want to see it ever again after you see it. So, yeah, I think it's a good you know Sunday with your friends kind of movie. Um, I probably wouldn't just go for it alone. I don't think there's. I mean, I go for movies alone all the time, but that's because I'm crazy and I watch everything. Um, but if you you know if you just want a good movie watching experience, it's a reliable flick. <laughs> I'm going to throw one other group in there. Uh, dads, you know, just universally. <laughs> there My father's thanking you right just now. Just dads all the way the world around. Uh, I know you, you know, I, I, I understand you. You, I have you in my heart uh, because I too enjoy dad movies and I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I know that it is a dad movie. So, yeah. Eric, do you feel like you're in movie terms a dad? I do, um, but I think that I am, what's a good way to describe this? All right, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to compare it to another classic dad venture, which is grilling, which is something that I don't know that much about. 
but I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a, a, an analogy out there that definitely won't work because analogies never do. There are dads who grill like a patty that they bought at like the supermarket that's pre-made and they slap on like a mm-hmm. piece of American cheese and that's a good burger and it's enjoyable and that's like one type. And then there's the dads who like make their own burgers and then they slap on some good cheese and, and it's like a good burger and that one's good. And then there's the dads who grill the burgers and like if it's not exactly homemade and if it doesn't use like seven year aged Gruyere and it has to be heirloom tomatoes from Spain or something, then like that's the right burger. And I think I'm the middle group. I make my own burger meat when I grill, but I'm perfectly comfortable buying store-bought cheese. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not going to fall for all dad movies, but I'm also not, like, I don't reject, like, bad dad movies either. Like, I enjoy some bad dad movies, and I don't like some bad dad movies. I like to think that I'm a, I'm a dad movie guy with taste, you know? Yeah, That's of course. Wrong. Some points were made. Yeah, I don't think sure. that made any sense, yeah. but I feel like my fellow my fellow men who are not dads, which is also confusing, uh, I feel like they'll understand, you know? Yes. Yes. I, I don't think that was for me, and I, I say that in the best way. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not one of the dads. Um, but I, I do... Okay, I'll say this. This movie is, is... I do feel like this movie is Oscar bait. It's kind of Oscar bait. Oh, yeah. Do you think, do you think that's entirely its fault? I'm going to throw something out here. Like, I... It is Oscar bait for sure. Like, the minute that they were like, hey... I'm Sam Mendes. I'm going to make a movie about my own great grandfather's or my own grandfather's like stories. And also it's going to be shot by Roger Deakins and it's going to be in a one shot essentially that just right off the bat is, is Oscar bait. But I don't know whether or not I feel like the marketing of this movie is what really sold it as Oscar bait. Like I'm not convinced that like, I don't know if the movie itself like posits that. I don't know how else to describe that. It just seems like it's the movie seems like it could have stood on its own, but the marketing, like who I don't remember who even distributed this, but it seemed like yeah, the minute that first trailer came out, they wanted you to know like that big zoom out when he's running across the field and it zooms out into the numbers 1917. And you just know that it's, it's going to be an Oscar movie and they put it in November and like, uh, or in December rather, like, I don't know. It just, it, I almost don't know if it's the movie's fault. There are some movies that are, it seems like they were written to win an Academy Award. And this one more to me felt like they were legitimately trying to make something. And in an almost like Frankenstein's monster kind of way, somebody else came along and was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. Like we can turn this into some money. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm maybe I'm being yeah. too like I, yeah. naive no, 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 about no, I'm it. I'm with like, you, and I think there's a, I think time is all all about is explains exactly why that happened. I think it's um what happened is well, first off, all the other movies. So so this movie is not being compared in a vacuum. It's being compared to the other best mm-hmm. picture nominees, and all the others had had their moment in the sun, and then it had passed. And then this one came along right at the end of that entire timeline. And not only was it you know the, the cool new fresh one that people could discuss, they'd already discussed all the others. Um, it was also 
the one that won the awards before it was released everywhere. Yeah. So it 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 got it got pushed into the theaters with the allure of award winning film, solid um, pr- prospect for best picture. So um, it, they, I mean, they kind of had no choice but to frame it as, "Don't you want to get in on the action before it possibly wins the Oscar?" Right? Um, because they, they knew it had a good shot. So I mean. Um, it was a. It was just the timing. I think they, they knew they were like, "This is the movie." Like, what 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 other push can we make for this in January right, right. with public releases worldwide, other than big possibly Oscar winning war movie? Right. Is there anything else to say about this? I feel like that's it. It's a combination of two very very talented young men and some like honestly kind of clunky cameos. I'm sorry, I didn't like them very much. They they definitely take you out of the movie. Like, I don't want to spoil it for people because yeah. I guess the whole point of this episode is, hey, if you haven't watched these, watch it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, there are, there, are, there's only, I guess, five roles in the entire movie, essentially. And three of them are, uh, yeah, they're, they're just more well-known actors. And the way that they're introduced is sort of like, it's almost like the movie stops for a second and it's like, hey, 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 this guy's in here too. And yeah. you're like, all right, well, I didn't, that's okay. Like, <laughs> sure. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So our next movie is Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, which is the epitomal dad movie on this entire list, to be honest. Like, 1917. I'm going to need you to tell me everything about this because I am not even going to pretend I've seen this movie. I absolutely haven't. I, I don't have a reason. That's not my review. I didn't, like, avoid it. Um, It just it never happened. It's also called Le Mans 66 here, Um, you know, for a wide international audience. Yeah. It. Uh, by the way, they should have kept that title. Like, it should be called Le Mans 66 everywhere. I don't think that Ford versus Ferrari makes any sense for this movie. Like, okay, plot-wise, it does, but I think Le Mans 66 sells it better. Like, it sells it with the right amount of, like, honor-ish, honor-honor that it that it's supposed to have. You know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to be about this event and these men, and and it's supposed to be about that moment. And like both thematically and plot wise and the title Ford versus Ferrari, like you just said, makes it sound like a superhero head to head movie. And the movie's not again, like plot wise, the movie, yes, it is about the Ford company trying to beat the Ferrari company. I don't know what the name of that company is, but they're trying to beat them at a race. But like, it's not actually about Ford versus Ferrari. Like that's just sort of silly. It's not anyway. So, yes, I did see this movie. Uh, I saw it with my best friend. He came and visited uh, back in November, I think, um, whenever the hell this movie was out. And we decided to go see it because it was the only, kind of really only, like, valid option at the time. Uh, And Mm -hmm. we both walked out and said, uh, yeah, that was fine, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's, it's, uh, I think, you know, my thesis at the top is I would not go and see this if you're going to like spend money to see it then you'd better see it in theaters if not then wait for streaming and it's definitely like a fine background movie um it's uh for those who don't know it is about uh a famous race in 1966 uh called the le mans race i guess i don't know anything about car racing so i'm just recounting what I remember, uh, in which basically the Ford Motor Company, who was at that time under the head of uh, Henry Ford Jr., 
uh, wanted to beat Ferrari at this like famous international race and they'd never done it. And it was like a big American national thing of like an American car can't beat a Ferrari, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how they invented, uh, like the Mustang. Um, and it's, you know, it's like a big thing. It's a, it's, I hope I, I hope I did not just incorrectly identify that. I'm nearly positive that I'm right about that's what that car was. <laughs> that kind of says so a lot about the movie. If it was like, no, it was actually the Ford Pinto. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, but anyway, that's, that's the whole movie. It's Matt Damon. It's Christian Bale. Um, it's not like a bad movie at all. And, and I've actually seen a lot, like people that I really respect, like reviewers I really respect have said, this is a very good movie and they enjoyed it far more than I did. So I'm going to say that this may also just be a question of taste, but for me, it was just a, uh, it's not a it's it's a racing movie but it's like a, it's like any other sports movie where it's not really about like the sport um and it's more about uh the mortality of of sort of like obsession and of perfection that inherently comes with athletic achievements of this kind or even like artistic achievements of this kind um and it's yeah it, it's it's good it's fine but it's not fantastic i would say um yeah. The only reason I'm going to say that, like, if you're going to pay money for it, you should do it in theaters is because it is a big, loud, well-shot car movie. And kind of like what we just said for 1917, I don't know why you would pay to see it if you're not going to see it in theaters. Because, like, you're, unless you have a very good home theater system, it's not going to be able to handle it. Like, it's just not worth that. So if you're going to pay money, go to theaters. If not, put it on while inevitably when it comes on for, like, Fourth of July or Memorial Day or any dad holiday um put it on and you'll have a fine time well they're grilling outside just play this movie. yeah literally wait how fiercely america is this movie you know what it is um i think it's actually deceptively not and this is also why i don't like that the title was ford versus ferrari because it's definitely like there like a good part of the movie is like you know it, it's ford but ford is sort of like a um as in the guy he's sort of like a almost like a scapegoat for like the larger feeling of like we're America the year is 1966 nobody should be beating us so why the hell is this like random old Italian man hand making cars that we can't even touch and like I'm gonna give you all of the money and all of the resources in the world and I'm gonna hire the best guys and we're gonna beat you which is like a very American idea like we'll throw more money and we'll throw more resources than anyone else has ever even dreamed of being able to do and through that we will win because it's a matter of pride that we be the best yeah, yeah exactly but it's also like it's not be the best by like taking one guy and crafting profession it's we will be the best because we will literally like we'll spend more than than countries spend on their entire GDP in order to build the best car and win that's like that ends up being the thing that is is sort of like the conflict though like like the larger part of the movie is that matt damon and christian bale matt damon is like the head engineer and christian bale is the head driver although they sort of uh mix sort of sort of like crossover a little bit here and there um the the whole posit really is that they are that this is not about that for them and that it wasn't about it for most of the people who were working on this uh the goal was not like raw america and let's beat ferrari which is again why i don't like that title i think it's a dumb title because it's not about that it was about it's about the artistic achievement of of what this meant like it, it's really to be honest this movie if I, i'm going to skip categories here and say who's this movie for it's for engineers like this movie is is about the beauty that is engineering 
and what it can be and like the the competition that can go into that and the 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 sort of symbiosis that happens between human ingenuity and the fact that we still have to make that machine go and then the machine itself like in other words like you still have to to account for the human imperfection and for the human instinct but you also have to use that human imperfection to try to build the perfect machine so that's why it is a dumb title um but it is it is a movie for engineers and it is it's actually quite nice um but as a larger product it is just a fine movie um so yeah that's where i'm gonna land it as if you really want to go see it if you're a huge fan of this period in history or you're a racing fan or you're an engineering nerd i think you would get a lot out of this movie if you're not those things i'm sure that you and your family will enjoy sitting down at any part of this movie that's the other key component you don't have to sit down at the beginning uh for a half hour on fourth of july and you'll have a fan- fine time it's good to know i feel better about not having seen it now yeah it's like i said there's there's actually quite a lot there it just doesn't i don't know if it fully executes on it and frankly the marketing just did it in like, I don't know what they were doing, but it was very weird. Well, I'll tell you what we got out of it when my friend and I went to see it in the theater because we went for the special, like, fans event because <laughs> we went the day it opened here <laughs> and they gave us uh, plastic sunglasses that are all colored like some of the, like, the characters each wear, like, iconically colored sunglasses, essentially. And it's like, I think they're supposed to be, like, Ray-Bans, but, like, you know, this is back when Ray-Bans were, were sort of first around and they were cool and, and everything else. So what we got out of it were bad plastic sunglasses that are meant to imitate Ray-Bans from the 60s. So pretty much a collector's item. What's better than that? What's better than that? So, yeah, that's Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, I believe our next one, if I understand uh, the Dewey Decimal System, which doesn't actually apply here, is Jojo Rabbit. Wait, Irishman. No. Okay. Well. All right. Wait a minute. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a slight uh, detour, listeners. Um, do you believe that in alphabetization? I've been pronouncing that weird this whole podcast. Do you skip the? You always drop the. You have okay, to drop. Okay. I you, think you drop so articles. too. You drop a and. I think so too. But here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Computers don't. Of course they if do. You, like, sort a li- no. If yes, you I sort have. a list in Excel, iTunes. it will keep the T. No. no. And if you sort your files, oh, okay, like in sure. your file thing, it's going to keep the T. And that has trained me to stop ignoring the T, which sucks. But it's basically like when you hit the, you just invent like a whole new set of alphabetical entries. You're like, okay, now I have the A, the B, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I think all, all the utilitarian software doesn't do it. Like, yeah, Excel doesn't do it. But um, and, and should they? I mean, that's the, I think that would be really I dangerous if they did. It's probably for the best if they don't. But um, humans do. And I think music software does or, or in some form. I think iTunes used to do it, I think, way back in the day. Um, but okay, no, well, you're right. It's more of a human thing. This has been this has been brought to you by libraries. Uh, that was just a quick ad break for uh, libraries is what that was. Uh, so, yes, can you tell us about The Irishman, then, if we want to follow your... Okay, uh, so your not to do this twice, but you have to do this one because I've only seen an hour of this movie. 
Okay, here's the problem. I've seen none of this movie. Okay, so I still this haven't is watched it. So un, 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 <laughs> I'm extremely really unqualified review incoming. It's not because I don't want to. I just haven't done it. I don't. It's know. not an outright rejection. Like there is absolutely no reason. If anything, there is like active. If anything, it's worse that I've seen part of it because now it sounds like I abandoned it midway through. Do you agree that it's because of its availability? Um. Absolutely. 100%. That's my problem. Every time I open Netflix.com, I'm like, I could watch this anytime. And then I click on Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah. all over again. It is Versus I was like, insane. oh man, if I don't go see Jojo Rabbit right now, I'm not going to see it because it's going to yeah. leave theaters. But Irishman's always there. So I know that I can return to What's weird though them, is that didn't happen him. with me for Marriage Story. When it dropped, I was like, I have to watch this right now. Oh, that's a really good point. Man, there goes that excuse. I don't have a reason why, but that... I, 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 do you think it's three and a half hour runtime? Because I hate to be that person. I, I'm, I'm Indian. I watch Bollywood movies all the time. <laughs> three and a half hours is the that's the shortest one. Um, so that's actually genuinely not an excuse for me. Um, and it's not. I a have legitimately, I have legitimately enjoyed many Bollywood movies, but they are way too long. It's, <laughs> tr- it's so like, like there's this old long. bit that Russell Peters does where he's like, Bollywood movies are just so long. It's like they have no editing process whatsoever. If you watch them, you'll just see the boom mic dropping into the scene in the middle. <laughs> They're truly like Return of the King wishes. It's just <laughs> not even close. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> so I guess in that case, we will try to cobble together an Irishman so yeah, no, I've got, I've got some stuff to say about the hour that okay, I've seen. Okay, go for it. Go and for it. And it is absolute it. golden. So I'm going to I'm just I'm going to say what I have to say about it. And with the the qualified that truly I have seen an hour which is less than a third of this movie. Um <laughs> so I'm and and so what I understand about this movie um, I could be so wrong. Like this is this is beyond unqualified. But it's it's basically like like this beautiful rumination on um is it like this mafia boss who's at the end of his life and he's talking about He's, you know, he's telling a story from the past and how it relates to now, et cetera, et cetera. Hence, all of the special effects and de-aging that happened because they're obviously talking about, you know, things that happened in the past. They're playing themselves now and in the past, right? Um, so, considering that, it's obviously a movie about time and death and life and reflection, which means that to understand it or to reflect on it, you should probably have seen the whole thing, right? Like, more, even more so than other movies, I'm sure. So, obviously, take this with a grain of salt. Um, but it is, like absolutely gorgeous based on what i've seen just just beautiful comforting visuals um it's maximum scorsese and and what i'll say about this movie is you should probably watch it because it's kind of a farewell from him like i don't think he's gonna do another i don't know if that's a hot take i don't think it's a hot take um i think this is it and it's also it's 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 the most him farewell you know with de niro and and joe pesci and um the other people it's it's very wow that was disrespectful i i care about old cinema to Al but Pacino. um thank you uh wow um but yes it, i mean it's 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 just like like you have to have the respect to at some point in your life no rush honestly just to watch this movie um because of um scorsese it's just you know like so far it seems like a beautiful kind of reckoning on life and success and failures and people and it's one of those stories where it just touches you and it's cool and things come out of nowhere um so i I suppose if um you know you're a fan of cinema or a respecter of the 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 masters of the the art and also if you have a netflix account and several hours you should watch this movie um but again i've seen an hour of it i'm a hypocrite yeah i I have no excuse um the only thing i'm going to contribute to this is I mean, I, I kind of don't know 
who wouldn't want to see this? Like, I guess only in regards to that it's some of like you said, some of our most respected actors from probably the the uh, really only like still living American legendary director, um, uh, sort of like a master, if you will. Um, yeah, it definitely seemed like it was a send off for a lot of them. So it seems like it's worth it. I mean, I feel like everyone has enjoyed at least one of his movies and or one of their movies at some point. Even if you're just like a huge Home Alone fan. Well, here's Joe Pesci, you know? Yeah. There he is. He's uh, the, the criminal from Home Alone. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that if you don't like a lot of cursing in movies, then you won't like it. Am I right about that? I mean, it's Scorsese, sure. so yeah, that's my. Guess. I mean, I, I, yeah, but not, not to like a damaging extent, I guess. I don't. I think if you don't, if you don't like cursing, it probably has to go hand in hand with a few other elements that you don't like for this movie to be like a veto. But yeah, it's a mod um, movie. Yeah, it's not like it's not like if you don't like violence, don't watch Joker level of. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, no, it's a yeah. For sure. I mean, it's it's certainly about crime. Like, this is not a... It's not like a, a movie about old people sitting in a chair the whole movie. Like, stuff goes down. Um, but again, I haven't seen all the stuff. This is so sad. We need to skip this movie. We'll come back to this at some point. It's a... Uh, we genuinely <laughs> revere him and we should have no excuse for not having both finished this. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry, Martin Scorsese. It's not personal. Marty, I respect you it's and agree business. with you in Marvel movies. I'm I'm with you. You're a master. We'll watch this. <laughs> okay so that finishes our excellent deep dive on the irishman so back to real alphabetization i have to learn how to say that word correctly you said it uh, right i believe is jojo rabbit it is definitely jojo rabbit jojo rabbit here's my thesis uh you should go see it i don't think that you necessarily need to see it in theaters uh with the one edit that I always advocate that you should see everything in theaters because I love going to the movies and it is a different experience than seeing things at home. But realizing that there are differences as far as like when a movie needs you to see it because of whatever the size of the screen, the audio, like the, the visuals, etc. Jojo Rabbit is definitely a movie that is more, uh, it's leaning more on its narrative and less on its visual um, sort of immersion. So you're fine to just rent it at home or whatever it is you need to do. Um... I really enjoy Jojo. I think that if you are a fan of dark comedy in general, um, that you will enjoy it. Um, it's not like a, it kind of has the veneer of a family dark comedy, but it's not really. Um, I don't know, like a good way to, maybe that's a, maybe that's to credit its, its original, uh, originality is I, I can't really think of like a movie to compare it to, to be honest. Um, like it's not like an odd couple movie, although it does kind of have that. It has a little bit of that, but, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to classify it as, but it is very, very good. It is very funny. Um, there are lots of interesting, uh, uh, controversial sort of takes going on about Jojo Rabbit. And I don't necessarily have like a, I'm not going to say anyone is wrong for their opinion on that, um, as I am not a, a, uh, a person who has like a horse in this race one way or the other. Um, but I do think that it is worth watching. And also, honestly, like of almost of any movie on this list, it might be the most like worth seeking out and, and reading things about. I really do think that there's been some really fascinating critical essays on this movie, and it really made me think about 
like how I think of it, how, how I should be thinking of it, maybe how I shouldn't be. Um, I don't know. It's just definitely challenged a lot of, of all these that I think about, um, who I think should make movies, how I think they should be made, how people should consume them, etc. Um, but yeah, my final takeaway is go see it. It is very funny. Uh, I don't think it's Taika Waititi's best work, but it is definitely another like excellent entry in his, his really great CV. Yeah. It's actually very wholesome how much I agree with you on that. Um, my take is definitely just wait for it to come to streaming. Also with the caveat that I also think you should just watch all movies in theaters if you have the opportunity, et cetera. It's just, you know, great experience. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, some, something very specific I'll say is I think that the the, the, the young cast in it, the, the kids or the generally younger people who are in it, I think they're going to go really far. So I think this is a cool movie to watch if you, you want to you wanna say, I saw them before they blew up, um, if that matters to you. I think I just think they're so, so very talented. Um, and and, and That's actually a really, with luck, a really they're going to go very far. Yeah, I want to apologize quickly to Thomasine McKenzie for not you haven't mentioned her, her yet. when I just was talking about her because I've mentioned her every other time we've recorded this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to once again say that Thomasine McKenzie gave the best performance of any film last year. Uh, and she was amazing. And that movie was all about her. As far as I'm concerned, she has the best quote of any movie of, of 2019. Um, oh, I'm not going to do it justice. You talk for a second. I'll find it. <laughs> okay. I no, I'm with you. She's she's absolutely fantastic and I just it's so good. Um but yeah, no, no, to be the conversation. I I do think this movie got like a, a weird, controversial rap and yeah, I agree that I don't have anything to say about it. I just think that don't let that get in the way of watching it. I, I, it's it's a good movie. It's certainly not the greatest movie, but it's um very solid. I think the the best way to describe it is that this was Taika's passion project and even if you don't really know him or know his style or what he was going for I think just the 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 word that comes out through this is that it was clearly a work of passion um it was definitely his passion and you 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 know that that pure passion just comes out in the writing the style the etching of the characters um his performance as Hitler he plays Hitler in the movie um and just the general framing of the story, it definitely feels like it has authorship behind it, whatever that, whatever your take on that authorship may be. Um, it's not, it's not like, you know, extremely controversial in my opinion. I don't think it's, you know, like, you know, I don't think anybody was like, this movie should be banned, but it's certainly people with more, um, with takes that actually matter, had things to say about it. And I think it's, it's worth reading of yeah. them, just like Eric said, like, I, I learned a ton as well. Um, but I, I guess if you're super sensitive about avoiding all movies that have anything to say about Nazis in, you know, comedic tones whatsoever, then probably avoid it. But I don't, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, if, I mean, if, it's, it's if, let's, we're not going to skirt around that issue. It's definitely about Hitler and about Nazis and it's jokes. So yeah, there's dark comedy. If that offends I, you, yeah, 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 don't watch it. I think it. like a, maybe like a good, like, let me start by saying, like, I disagree with the stance I'm about to say, but I'm not trying to pass judgment on the stance, which is to say... If you are someone who believes that all harmful things should not be like like maybe not all but but that a, a, a violently harmful thing whatever that is imagery of that thing or, or any story involving that harmful thing should not be portrayed in a comedic fashion in any way shape or form well or not like treated with care or not care then don't see this movie um, because that is not what this movie believes. So I guess that's what I'll I'll say. 
Um, I think that's the best way I can say it with like, again, I disagree with that, but uh, I'm sort of trying not to say that you're trying not to pass judgment on that belief because I do think there are some legitimate stances on that. I just don't happen to agree with it. Yeah, I'm also just straight up not Jewish, so I don't know what, like, the whole point is I do not have an opinion because it's not my place to have one. Yeah, agreed. Now, here's the quote, which I, I will, I don't even know why I'm reading it. It's just not worth it. Like, she's so much better at delivering it. But the best quote of 2019, and that's just no question. Like, I'm sorry. What I said before where I said I respect your opinions, I don't respect you if you think that there was a better quote because you're wrong. Here's the quote. Quote, I am descended from those who wrestled angels and killed giants. We were chosen by God, unquote. It's just an awesome Mm. freaking quote. And the way that she says it, and she delivers it with such ferocity, and she's supposed to be like a slightly older child, right? Like she's supposed to be like an older teen. And and the the just the like vindication in her voice, the absolute surety in her mind is so incredible. Oh, she was wonderful. Now, as you say uh, it, I, I, I hear it and recall it immediately in my mind's eye. She's, yeah, and she's I great. think the thing, the thing to, to also quickly mention about this is that it's not, I mean, it's not just a comedy. It's a, it's like, it's not like a frivolous movie that's all jokes. There's, there's actually pretty profoundly emotional scenes that'll definitely there's hit you out of, of nowhere. Substance. And these children will yeah. destroy you emotionally. And it's a lot of, yeah. a lot of kind of kicker lines, um, in the script that will remind you why Taika is good at this. Like, it's, again, it's not, this isn't his masterpiece at all. Um, he's, he's clearly, you know, getting started on something that he feels pretty strongly about. And, you know, yeah. he, he's good at that. He's, he, it does come through. Um, I think even even his worst work is going to have some moments of spark, and they're certainly in there. Oh, absolutely. I want to ask, like, I don't, again, I don't want to give a lot away, so I'm just going to ask if you agree with this statement. Do you agree that this movie isn't actually about World War II's Nazis? That it's actually a rumination on something a little more modern than that? Something a lot more modern. Yeah. Do you, or even, maybe not, maybe not even saying not as modern, but a lot more something that has never gone away like yeah. to say it is modern is true but i think that a thesis of this movie is this is this is a thing that is currently present and it is a thing that has never gone away would you agree with that absolutely i think they make it very clear in one specific line at the end of the movie as well okay <laughs> um, I think which so is lovely and uh i think i think really what i'm trying to say about this movie is that this was a year of extremely standout films which is kind of why it didn't get much of the light it's also not a perfect movie but that doesn't mean it's not quite good in many ways um and it'll it'll definitely make you feel good and sad in very important ways i think and it's informative as hell so our next movie uh i don't know how much we actually want to talk about this movie to be honest uh (laughs) the next one alphabetically i just said it right finally uh is joker and I just realized looking at it, it's Joker and not The Joker. That bothers me. Anyway. Did you um, think it was The Joker? I think so. I think I always say The Joker. Um, yeah, but that's kind of ironic. I don't know how much we want to talk about this. because this Only because <laughs> this movie has been talked about like literally to death. Yeah. Like I, I, I cannot describe how much like this dead horse has been beaten and brought back to life and then beaten again. Like, it's just, I cannot wait to never talk about this movie again. And I just don't know if it's worth talking. Like, I feel like of any movie on this list, anyone and everyone listening has already heard about it. Right? Yeah, like, it's probably true. You know what we're going to say. 
like it's not new like i don't yeah, have any I new mean, insights that said, that i think if a I lot of the internet it, hasn't already I would had care. i don't know because uh, that's because true. the whole point is the that's more true. the that's more true. public that's conversation true. you get the more you want to know what to what's what's true and what isn't right that's true that's true all and right we'll, just, well, you know, we'll, we'll say some stuff about this and then <sighs> truly just put it to bed that sounds oh, good like this will be the last let's do that how about that this will be our last podcast where we talk about the joker we Sorry. will never we talk about joker no article joker um do you want to take us away oh god i'm so nervous about this i'll do it i'll just do it i'll say some stuff and then you say some stuff and then we pretend this movie never happened okay Um, go for it you know i i think it's so hard to dig through the public conversation and get to what this movie was meant to be because todd phillips made a movie that was meant to spark a public conversation like this movie was always meant to be about the talk about it so it's a movie about the talk yeah. about the movie, which is yeah. really hard to see as a movie. And it also, he <laughs> never wanted it to... It's so weird. I think I think even he was surprised that it was recognized as a piece of cinema. Okay, I guess, you know, here, here's the thing. I think, I think if we're talking about this from a standpoint of should you watch this movie, I'll say this. It won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival, which is a very important top prize that has historically predicted a lot of stuff. Which means that it, How? you know, some people thought it was good. Great, How? that's annoying as hell to me. Um, and also, it got the most nominations. So if you're going for, I want to watch this movie because it... Is that true? Yes, it got the most nominations. Um, I think it was 11. <laughs> I might be wrong there, but I know it's the most. Um, so I guess if you just want to be part of that piece of film award history, like, watch it. This genuinely pains me to recommend in a, a sense. It's, you know, it gets really close oh God, to making right. 12 points. It did get 11. Yeah, but then it doesn't make any of them and then actually goes really hard at making the opposite. Um, and it's just like, you know, it's not going to like, this movie was never going to create like, you know, mass shootings or all that stuff. But it also just isn't a good outlet for the stuff that it's trying to whine about. It's very like angry 11-year-old boy energy. And, like, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is really good in it, but also, like, didn't need to happen. And I really don't want to start recommending this role in any form or start rewarding all the the men who have to keep mailing dead animals, their co-stars, to play this character or whatever the hell. Um, It's, you know, it's an edgy movie. I think I genuinely kind of lightly liked it on some level that was subsequently deeply obscured by the director's words about it and the internet and how enthusiastically edgy it is and i guess okay here's what i'm gonna end with i think it's a really good study of where movies are going in the future or at least where conversations about movies are going in the future because because of its success there's definitely more of this kind of standalone movie standalone comic book movie that doesn't feel like it's a comic book movie um serious movie that's based on something that's often joked about that kind of movie there's more of that coming for sure they're going to be greenlit and have been because of this movie and also because um it clearly appealed to filmmakers enough to get all these nominations it's it's probably there's you know there's going to be more conversation about movies in the future that compare themselves to it um so i guess like probably just watch it so you know what the hell they're on about but if you don't like it's just, it's, it thinks it's so dangerous, but it's not even half as interesting as Todd Phillips thinks it is. So yeah, it's an edgy movie, I guess, if you really want to see it, see it. But it hurts me to say. All right. Here's my, here's my, my bit. And I'm going to, I'm going to actually try to, to 
also highlight the things I legitimately did like about it, because there are things to legitimately like about this movie. I'm going to start with those things. Uh, it is a... That's my dog. But that's okay. Everyone loves dogs. We can leave the dog. Dogs are good. That's my dog. Keep the Viking. Yeah. Uh, it is a well-shot movie. It is. It is pretty beautiful to look at. Um, it is beautifully scored i think uh, I, I really do enjoy the score of this movie and the soundtrack i think the music is is probably some of the best uh, uh is probably like the single best component of the entire thing maybe second to to joaquin's performance um and there is is uh there's just like an integration with those things that is done actually fairly well and it's done it is it is unique and it is unique not because it is unique to all of film because as has been pointed out by the internet this is just a scorsese movie uh basically done by todd phillips um but it is unique to this genre like there definitely has never been a superhero movie done by scorsese is sort of like the theory that's about where the things that i enjoyed end uh i should say i really enjoy zazie beats as an actress um she's just not really in this movie so yeah there's that for so many reasons yeah now here's what i don't enjoy uh i think you hit on what is exactly the movie's biggest problem is that it simultaneously thinks that it has something to say tries to say too much and then never actually says anything at all. And it ends it by accidentally, or maybe intentionally, saying exactly the opposite. Um, it is a movie that tries to be sympathetic and to show mercy to people that it believes do not receive sympathy or mm-hmm. empathy or Several mercy. Several different populations of people, too. Several different populations. And instead ends up being very cruel to those same peoples and to people suffering from the afflictions like or similar to them. And that is that is my, my biggest, like that I think is this movie's greatest sin, is that it is a, a movie that pretends to care um, and it doesn't really. Uh, because if it did it would have been made with more care. Uh, and instead the, 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 what, what the movie believes are victims, it uses as fodder in this larger sort of narrative or this larger sort of message of look at yourself society rather than sort of self-reflecting and actually investing some level of, of agency and some level of, of empathy with its, what it believes to be victims. Um, there are a couple little nitpicks I have that I think are, they are nitpicks, but I think they're also fairly integral. Uh, that's my cat. Man, I live in a zoo is really what you're really hearing. There are a lot of animals. We haven't um, even heard the second dog. I know. We've only heard one dog and one cat. Uh, this movie tries to pretend that it doesn't have a problem with people of color and specifically women of color because most of its victims are white men as in most of the people that the i mean this is not a spoiler you're watching a movie called joker most of the people that joker kills 
are white men. But the people that are shown to be the sort of like the final dominoes, the straws that break the camel's back of the Joker are all women of color uh, or people of color. And that's pretty weird. Like, and that's being generous to call it weird, but it is like, if I'm being as generous as possible and I'm not saying that was some racist BS, then I'll be generous and say, that's kind of weird in a movie in which it, it seems to want to say, Hey, the lack of money and attention paid to uh, mental health as a legitimate form of health that needs to be not only treated, but upkept and maintained and cared about by society as a whole, and that we need to treat it as a, as a communal project toward general well-being and growth. Um, that hasn't been done. And it was, at least I would think this movie, because of when it's set in this weird, like, non-time, um, I'm assuming that it's trying to blame that on the Reagan era, which is fine. That's all well and good. Except that the face of that problem is his black social worker. And she receives all of the film's sort of like cruelty in regards to that topic. And all of the the animosity from Joaquin Phoenix. And again, that's not just like, um, it's not just a textual thing. It's how the movie is actually made. It's sound cues. It's the camera. It's, it's how it wants you to feel in those moments. And in the moments in which he's with her, you're supposed to feel as though she is a bad person. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make any sense. How could the social worker be the bad? Like, again, the movie tries to posit that there are institutional problems, and then it makes all of the problems about the people who suffer from the institutional problem. So, I, I don't know. My, I think my final takeaway is that this movie is... To be honest, it's not as bad as I think it's been made out to be. Mm-hmm. What I mean, quality-wise, I think it is a fairly good movie in a vacuum. This is a fairly well-made movie. It accomplishes what it sets out to do in a sense. It has good performances. It looks pretty, and it sounds good. As outside of that vacuum, what the movie wanted to do, what it wanted to be, like outside of the text, what it wanted to be more than, I think it utterly failed. And I think Mm -hmm. that it entered into a realm of cruelty that I cannot excuse. All that being said, I don't think this movie is worth the amount of time that has been spent on it. It's just not. It's it's just not worth it. It's not one of the best movies ever. It's not one of the worst movies ever. And I think that we would all be much better off if we just moved on. Um, And I think that's... I'm very ready for that to happen. And I know that it's going to get a second bump when it hits streaming. And that's okay. But eventually, I hope that we'll sort of move on. Um, I will say, I, I I don't know who hasn't already seen this in a sense. If we're kind of going to our last category, who do I recommend this to? I don't know if I recommend it to anyone. Um, I think if you're going to watch it, then you should watch it as a way to understand when a movie tries to do something for a population that it is not about and then it fails or i'm sorry a population that it's that the people making it are not from and then it it fails um i think that it could be an educational film in a sense uh it doesn't intend to be but you can educate yourself by watching it essentially um 
And on a positive note, I will say, uh, as strange as it sounds, I, I really am excited to see what Todd Phillips does next. Um, I think he's to blame for a lot of this, <laughs> and I don't like a lot of his comments, and I think that he has been a little obtuse in some of it. Um, but as far as like filmmaking goes, post-Hangover, Todd Phillips is doing some interesting and weird stuff. And I guess my my most positive hope is that he listens to and partners with people who can sort of, uh, uh, well, not educate him because that's not their job, but basically that he can do the work to sort of educate himself and surround himself with people that can better him uh, and that he can can thrive with because they challenge him and not because they are a yes man to him. Uh, and I think that is my final thoughts on the Joker, which I just screwed up again because it's called Joker. Oh, God. That's a sign. Well, I really think, I think you said it all, and I, I really don't want to talk about this movie now or ever again, so I'll just say, I, I suppose if you want to watch this movie, just watch Taxi Driver instead. That's it. Yeah, I don't, and King of Comedy. I don't know yeah. why you would do anything otherwise. Well, let's never talk about Joker again. Yeah, I'm good. So our next movie, this is the strangest. It's like, uh, well, I can't pretend that I go to places that have DJs, but I'm assuming it's like if a DJ uh, played like the Nutcracker and then he followed it up with a Katy Perry song. Let's talk about Little Women. Hey, Eric, you remember Night at Target at Northwestern University? They had a DJ there. It's probably your speed. Yeah, uh, it's a, the, man, the, the context this is during the orientation program at Northwestern that Eric and I were very involved with. Um, they have a night where all of us, they used to, it was retired for some reasons, but there there is a night where, or an evening where all the new students got to go to Target and pick up, you know, anything you need and they hire and it's, it's you know, they buy out Target or whatever it is just for us to shop and they have a DJ. So it's a party at Target. I forgot about that. That's a good point. Well, yeah, this is this was as good as a transition as I'm sure the target. I just wanted to lighten the mood. So, I mean, yeah, this is like I said, this is. I think I'm ready to become a target DJ with how well I transitioned us from Joker to Little Women, which is in no way like Joker. Like it's in, in every way, way unlike Joker. Yeah, it Thank really God. is. Uh, I just can't imagine a more different movie. So, uh, yeah, do you want me to start? You want to start? Uh, you start. Okay. So, Little Women. Um, thesis statement, you should see Little Women, obviously. Um, however, I'm going to say, like JoJo, if you are pressed for money and time, I don't think this is one that you have to see in a theater. I think if you have the chance, you absolutely should. But I don't think that is necessarily a requirement. This is another one that is very reliant on its narrative and its performances. And while that is best enjoyed on a giant screen and with a good sound system, um, I'm sure it still is is very enjoyable uh, in whatever format you choose to consume things. Um, yeah, Little Women is is just a delight. It really is. Um, there's this like interesting thing that I've noticed. Uh, I don't know, Shalila, you'll have to tell me if you've seen this too on the internet. And by the internet, we of course mean Twitter. Twitter.com. Um, there's been this like interesting wave of of uh, 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 liking this movie and then counter-liking it, but in, in one particular vein. There is this, there was first a narrative that men weren't seeing this movie. Then there was this like wave back where it was suddenly, at least this is what was said, that suddenly every guy was like, oh, I love this movie. And then it became that guys were saying that they liked the movie just 
to sort of like be in on it or to like i don't know like be left alone or to basically like have like a uh to get like points brownie points uh i don't know what you would call it woke points maybe um and then there was like a wave back against that that was like no people can just enjoy things so i don't know what part of the wave i'm currently falling in except to say i really enjoyed little women and it's not because i'm trying to earn internet credibility whatever the hell that means um clout. because it's There's just a, a good movie clout Right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Clout. Thank you. Uh, yeah, there's no clout to be gained because I'm just a guy recording a podcast on his dresser. Uh, but it is a very good movie. Um, f- uh, for me, uh, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, I've already sort of lauded this, but uh, Greta Gerwig's adaptation of the, the book is just incredible. I knew nothing about the book. I knew I knew nothing about the entire movie before I saw it um, or the story, except that there's a character named Joe. And it is just really fascinating to me to learn about it afterwards that this is a linear book like that the book is just told in these is one long chronological time period as most stories are uh and that that's how it's uh, like supposed to be told essentially like that's the, the origin and that she completely messed with it because that to me that that's harder that is a difficult she made life more difficult on herself and the end result i think was was superior and and just very well done and um, the performances are some of the best of last year. The script was wonderful. Her direction was great. Um, it also has one of the best endings that I think I've seen, uh, mm-hmm. at least last year. A really phenomenal ending. Um, and I think this is going to be, uh, this is going to be one of those movies that I think people link back to later on, um, as like a sort of like a pivotal moment in a lot of people's careers. In Gerwig's career, in Shersha Ronan's, in Florence Pugh's, and even Emma Watson's, um, I really think this is going to be like a, a kind of a line back, and they're going to—I think things will be talked about pre-Little Women and post-Little Women. Um, so yeah, I, I would say you should see this. As far as who should see it, I would kind of say anybody, to be honest. Like, I mean, okay, I'll say this: you'll get the most out of it if you are a fan of period pieces. If you are a fan of, uh, 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 it's Jane Austen, right? I didn't yeah. make that up. No. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm going for. I think that is who will enjoy it maybe the most. I would say second to that is if you just enjoy family, uh, narratives, if you enjoy, um, sort of like family drama comedies, that kind of thing. I think, uh, you just, you have to enjoy it. it it's one of the pinnacles of that of that genre so i think that's who would enjoy it the most but frankly everyone should be seeing this it's it's really good yeah i agree um it's a it's i i think yeah like like you were saying about the ending i want to rt that extremely it's it's a very it's obviously a very comforting movie and it's really wholesome and lovely but it's also full of spark i mean there's a lot that happens and it's um the, the it's pretty fast-paced for a movie that's a period drama about you know women who have this to movie find moves food, i suppose yeah, stuff really happens a lot. Yeah. A lot happens a lot of the time in this movie in a good way. It's it's really it's really great. Um, yeah, you you said it all about Gerwig's masterful timeline sort of adaptation. It's generally a beautiful adaptation. Um, it's it's really it's gorgeous. It's it's beautiful. The costumes are really nice. And again, I I don't know if they're like technically nice. It's just I really like the general period drama aesthetic. And yeah. Meryl Streep is in we, it, and Saoirse's in it. We talked dress about this. Uh, love all that stuff. Last podcast. We talked about this every episode. We don't know what costumes. But <laughs> what's a good costume? We sure do like them. 
<laughs> Love a good costume. Um, yeah, it's a, you definitely will like actually catch your breath a solid number of times for something that's kind of a, the most classic story of all time. So it's good stuff. Um, and yeah, I think it, the, the bottom line on this is it, it's perfect that this was released during Christmas time. So obviously you cannot emulate Christmas time again, but if you do have another family night, I'd say that's the perfect time to watch this movie. If you've got family and or friends who you consider family, whatever your definition of family may be. If it's, you know, a bunch of people close to you, like settle down, it's a cozy and beautiful movie, but it's not lazy. It's 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 got some pace and spark and it's fun. You know, that's an interesting point. I'm actually I hadn't thought about that, but I, I wanna really highlight what you just said that I think that is like a big part of the movie I haven't really given a lot of time to is that this movie does really value the concept of non like genetically related family. Um, Like they're all related to each other, but it also is very intent on showing you that each of them has made their own definition of family on their own in addition to their like blood family. Um, So that is very interesting that like, yeah, you should be able to sit down with whoever you consider family and enjoy this. Beautifully put great well uh that was much more positive if only you we could spend more time on it but i kind of feel like that's how these things go like you you have like the best movie and you spend a lot of time on that and then you have the worst movies and you spend a lot of time on those and then everything else which is like even if they're really good they just sort of stand on their own like i don't have but this is again this is a year i don't have enough really to talk about it's just movies. good yeah it's just good so after little women that brings us to marriage story if i know my alphabet correctly and this I is do. gonna happen every time isn't it it really is so why don't you kick us off okay um i'm not sure that i have very strong feelings on this movie um i think that um probably the reason for that is that it's it's exclusively on streaming so it's not much of a question as to how much i should recommend this um but that said i certainly do definitely watch this movie i really liked this movie. It might have been my second favorite of all the Best Picture nominees, which is a really, really high endorsement. Um, I really, really liked it. I um, it's, it's just, it's a really beautiful story. It's, 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 you know, just get a glass of wine and turn, turn Netflix on your Amazon Prime stick and settle in and feel all the feelings about divorce and family and theater and white people, I suppose. It's very, um, it really does, I, I think, the, the, so this movie is essentially a, it's a story about two people who are getting divorced, but it's, it really, really dives into the compassion behind that. And, and its goal, if I understand it correctly, is to make you feel for every single person in this movie and uh, how exactly these problems of empathy and humanity can be balanced out and if there even is a right way and what is the collateral damage of two people um, finding that they've grown apart, etc., etc. And I think that there's some really boring ways to do that story, and this is not one of them, I'll be honest. It, this might be a little too high praise because I really liked this movie a lot, but um, it, it really does a good job of um, making you you know empathize with everyone and it's 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 kind of a tough story like you really will will struggle at some moments but it's also not you know trying to be joker and make you just see ugliness oh no i mentioned joker again make you see ugliness everywhere um it's obviously great performances try and ignore any twitter memes about it like people are just really good in this movie um scarlett johansson and adam driver are really great but i will say that like they're really great because that's exactly how the script was written like they delivered what was given to them and i think the strength of this movie 
as seen in the performances is in the strength of the writing. And it, he wrote something beautiful here. Um, I, I, I almost wish I'd watched this on a big screen. I know that's not exactly possible. Um, I'm not sure that this is worth a rewatch because I think it made me feel all those feelings and then squeeze it out of me for good. But I really, really, really loved it. And also Merritt Weaver's in it and I love her. And yeah, just high endorsement for me. Oh my God, wait. Uh, speaking of people who are in this movie who are in other things, uh, the mom from Marriage Story uh, who the actress's name, I don't know, which I'm very sorry to you. You are very funny. Uh, she is the uh, uh, co-lead in Airplane, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, which is not unique. Um, but she is hilarious in that movie. She plays the main uh, 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 stewardess, um, and she is is so funny in that movie. It is hard to describe. Um, but yeah, that is Scarlett Johansson's mom in Marriage Story. Uh, anyway, with all of those tangents aside, I also very much enjoyed Marriage Story, as I think you know. Um, I have very complicated feelings on this movie, and I don't 100% know how to speak about it, um, because I don't really know, uh, uh, I, there are a few movies in my life, uh, that I have been able to relate to quite as much as I was able to relate to this movie, and that was difficult but it also makes thinking about this movie difficult because it's hard for me to parse out where my own like just literally lived bias and where my like taste and and like my my paradigms for what makes a good or, or poor movie or whatever where that all ends and begins so i guess i'll say this i really loved adam driver's performance uh i think echoing much leela said it is incredibly well scripted um and i think that I would recommend it to virtually anybody who's really, who you're looking for just a, a good, um, you know, just a good drama, especially a good marriage drama. Um, but I would say I'm also going to give a, a special shout out to anybody listening who has been through, especially if you were the subject of uh, a custody uh, trial. Um, there's something really really uh sort of special about this movie um special in like a cathartic way uh so if you are one of those people then you definitely should be putting it on netflix and if you're not then you should probably be putting it on netflix maybe that's the way i'll rate this movie it's beautiful um yeah so that is marriage story so that brings us to our oh, final hold on. her two... name is julie haggerty oh, go for it. Julie Haggerty, thank you so much. I do not want to do her disservice. I cannot emphasize enough how funny she is in Airplane. Um, that movie, I mean, a lot of its attention, it's on Hulu. Um, a lot of its uh, attention gets paid to uh, its, its uh, to, well, really it's male. He's not really the lead. He's sort of like a supporting actor um, to the doctor in that movie, as well as to the pilot. And there's many funny people in that movie. But um, Julie Haggerty is, is really phenomenally funny in that movie. Anyway... After Marriage Story, uh, we have our final two. Uh, we are, of course, saving the best for last, although I don't even know how much we could talk about Parasite because it's been, I mean, what else is there to say? But before we get to that, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, so do you want to kick it off or do you want me to? Okay, I'll kick this off um, because I, a big sigh leading into this, I don't like this movie very much. Um... That's okay. I'm surrounded by people who don't. 
I'm interested to hear why you don't. I don't have... Um, in a world in which you have to fall on one side of the damn fence, I really don't dislike this movie. <laughs> it's not, it's not a, certainly not a bad movie. It is a good movie. Um, I just didn't, I wasn't enamored by it the way many people that I know and certainly the general public was. Um, and that's okay. Um, I would give this, yeah, watch it for me. And I'll say this. I've seen this movie only once, um, and I wasn't in the greatest mood, and I was also very sleepy. And then I fell asleep in the middle of the movie, which led me to believe that it was probably not a very good movie. But I have since thought about it a lot more, and I don't feel as negatively as I did in the moment. So just, you know... I think more than any other movie on this list, try and forget, okay, probably not the movie that shall not be named, but more than any other other movie on this list, just try and forget about any narrative about it and just go watch it. Because part of what ruined it for me is I had all these expectations of what was going to happen in this movie and how the plot was going to be. And none of that should have mattered to me because it's a really fun watch. It's just an adventure. It's a Tarantino movie, and you're really not supposed to think too much about them before you go and watch them. Just go in cold. And it, it's, it's definitely a bit of a slow burn, and since I was really tired, that didn't work for me, but it's probably one of its strengths. And the one part that definitely got me through all the haze of exhaustion was every performance is really good in this movie. Leo and Brad Pitt are so freaking good. They're really, really good. Really, really good. And it definitely has its moments where you're going to be on the edge of your seat. And, you know, the whole point of this movie is to challenge expectations and stuff will come out of nowhere. And again, I was really sleepy, so this felt super long to me, but I know you're about to disagree with that, so I'll say what I have to say. I was one of the few who didn't love it, but that's fine. Over to you. No, I I actually think that's, like, okay, let me start by saying I really enjoy this movie. Um, I'm not alone in that, so I'm sort of saying, like, I don't think I'm unique in saying that, but I also don't think I'm, like, out of left field. This is a pretty well-received movie. It was beloved by a lot of people. It's considered to be maybe his masterpiece by some. Um, I really enjoy it for a variety of reasons, but I will say I think I have enjoyed it more in the days following i've only seen the movie once and i saw it when it came out so a very long time ago it was i think it came out in like july didn't it yeah it's been that was a like a weird it's a weird oscar time but anyway um yeah it's been a long time and i think in the aftermath i've enjoyed it more um that being said i i don't think i have a problem with people who don't like it which, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have a problem with anyone who doesn't like a movie, um, if I'm being fair, I suppose. But um, I-, I guess I understand why. Uh, what you just said, oh, I've, I, I have actually thought this about several Tarantino movies. This one, I don't feel that, but his movies do tend to be a little long. Uh, there's just some stuff in them that I'm like, eh, I could have cut that out. Um, most of them, I don't necessarily feel that way. But personally, for like my uh, just experience with them, the Kill Bills, I think are too long. Django, uh, Hateful Eight, 
all too long. Um, I don't feel that with this movie, but I, I certainly respect why people think that because in general, he just stuffs his movies. Like he really, really puts a lot in there and it's not always necessary. A lot he puts in there because he wants to, because he likes it and he loves making movies. And that's very clear, I think, from them. But that also means that he's just like, leave it in. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I think it's in Glorious Bastards. He has said that there is, he basically has like a director's cut or something like that, that he doesn't want to show people ever. But if I'm not mistaken, it's like seven hours long. Like what we're seeing is the cut down version, which is something because of how (laughs) just how stuffed they are. Um, but yeah, you are not alone in that. Uh, my wonderful partner also does not enjoy this movie at all. She, okay. I think, to be honest, uh, the more that I have enjoyed it, the more she has not enjoyed it. I think it's just become sort of a bit at this point. Um, and this is actually probably a good note as our recommendation for those who sort of like saying, do you want to see this or not? Should you see it? Um, we fall into competing sides of this argument. She did not know anything about the Manson murders in Hollywood, uh, which is what <gasps> this movie revolves around. There's a pattern here. And therefore um, is really, like she, her, her basic position is that not knowing that meant that this movie is, is utterly lost on you. If you're not aware of that in any sort of shape or form, even if you know like the name, um, but you don't necessarily know the cultural context surrounding it, then the movie is sort of lost on you. And that Tarantino spends far too much time in this movie basically saying, look at how great and smart I am about this period. And if you don't know these things, then you're dumb. And that's if I have to, to summarize how she feels about it. She felt that this movie thought that she was dumb. And she doesn't like feeling that way, which I think is a fair supposition. I agreed with her when I first saw it. My general feeling was, wow, I have a I have a basic knowledge. I don't actually have that intense of a knowledge of the murders nor of the cultural context, but I'm aware of like its its general wider cultural impact. And I felt like when I walked out of it, like, man, if you don't see this, you're in trouble. And or I'm sorry, if you don't know about those those murders, then you're in trouble. Like, I don't know if you should see this movie. I have since come around on that, and this is going to be sort of my 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 wrap up here of of how I feel about this movie. I think this movie is worth seeing because its title sort of gives it all away. Once upon a time in Hollywood, it is a fantasy. It is a a fairy tale set in what Tarantino believes to be sort of a golden age or the end of a golden age in a sense uh, a pivot point a turning point and what i have since come to really love about this movie is that i'm actually reversing my original my original course i don't think you need to know anything about it because the movie doesn't really rely on that knowledge what it relies on is that you understand two basic things sharon tate played by Margot Robbie is a very good person and she has a bright future ahead of her. And there is something there. There is something that she represents and can bring and can deliver to the world that is pure and is worth seeing. And number two is that, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character and Brad Pitt's character who are both fictional. They are not good people. One of them may be a 
bad person, in fact. Mm -hmm. And that people that aren't very good people and people that are bad people, they, they can still try their best to do good things. It doesn't mean that you have to forgive them. It doesn't mean that they should be forgiven either by themselves or by others. But it does mean that there is a virtue in striving to be better and to do better. And the basic fairy tale of this movie is that these three people all were involved in a single event and that that event changed history and that that event could have been different uh, if bad people or if not very good people had been a little better then things may have changed. And I don't think that you necessarily need to know the context of that event that I'm talking about because yeah. all you need to know in the, in the actual content of the movie is that something bad is about to happen, something very bad. And, and you don't need to know why it's bad as a cultural sense. You just need to know because you're a human that murder is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, that might actually be the thesis of this movie. <laughs> that is the thesis murder of the movie is, is that murder is bad. And that's kind of it. And the rest of it is a fairy tale. It's a story of, of I mean, if you want to use really fairy tale language, it's the story of a pair of lost knights or, or if you want to kind of relate that to, to sort of different things like, I mean, what Tarantino is really getting at, they're a story of, of black hat cowboys, of, uh, of gunslingers that aren't for hire or like a ronin samurai would be sort of the comparison there who are sort of lost and it is the story of a princess or a you know the 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 sort of uh the town jewel if it's the western uh and it's the story of how uh, of of the fairy tale of how people who try to do good things can enact good things if they try to do good things and there's a sadness in that because he is saying that this is a fairy tale. So there is sort of like a sadness in that idea, but uh, I really do think that it's worth watching and that there's some beauty in that. Um, so my, my recommendation as to who should see it, if you are a fan of Tarantino, obviously go see this. Um, it really is. It, it does feel in a lot of ways like it's sort of what everything was leading to in a sense. Um, he loves to make movies about movies. And this is a movie about people who make movies about movies. So mm -hmm. I I don't know why else, you know, almost nothing else to say about that. Beyond Tarantino fans, though, I would say if you're a fan of the golden age of Hollywood, if you're a fan of, um, of uh, you know, just 60s culture in general, um, any of that, I, I really do think it's worth seeing. If you're a Western fan, this is a big Western, which they have been for a while, but this is a... This is one of his most sort of like explicit Westerns. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my recommendation once upon a time. I, I definitely understand why people don't like it. And it's one of those movies that I think uh, I'm I don't think I would ever convince someone that they should see it if they don't want to. It's like a movie that you kind of have to opt into. Um, I don't think I can like if you don't think you're going to like it, I would say don't see it. Like it's I can't force you to like this movie. It's it's one that you kind of have to step into and elect to, to enjoy yourself. Yeah. You actually talk about it makes me like it a lot more. I think it's down to what you just said. I was told so much that I had to like this movie and I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, again, 
I was in a bad mood, so I was not open <laughs> to being an adventurous movie watcher. Yeah. His his movies, I think, are, like, they're not good, bad mood movies. No. Like, you, you need to be in the right headspace to watch most Tarantino movies. You definitely do. Um, we We can have a... We can have a Tarantino episode at some point, but my personal favorite is Inglorious Bastards. Me too. And that's another one that, like, I love that movie, but you got to be in the right mood because it's not, it's an aggressive movie. Like, they're not friendly movies. No. Uh, they're not interested in being friendly to use the viewer. They're interested in Tarantino's own, like, sort of bravada and his own intelligence and his own skill. Yeah. And they're not particularly interested you in You need a fully clear head because it's going to fill it being completely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I also didn't know anything about the Manson family murders, and like, like I didn't really know. I, I yeah. like, I didn't know who, whatever his name is, the, the Charles Manson is that his name? Charles Manson. I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know the name. Like, I didn't know anything. I don't know anything about America before gotcha. the year two thousand. I'm not gonna lie to anyone. <laughs> I don't know a single thing. I don't know anything. In general, I don't know anything. It's fun that I'm hosting. So, this. W- would you agree? Do you think that the fact that you didn't know did that also hurt? So, so that's, that's, initially, that's, that's how my I felt. Position too. I felt the exact same way that she does. The exact same okay. way that she does now fair. is what I did feel. And I think since, so I mentioned this briefly, but I've I've come to like this movie a lot more in the time since I've watched it. I've come the furthest from where I was, where I am now with this movie, than with any other movie I've seen. I think. Yeah, not I think. I'm sure about it, actually. That is, this is the movie. So I, I'm still not in, like, I'm, I, like, my, my bottom line is I don't, still don't care for this movie very much. I'm a Tarantino fan, so it, it, I felt I wanted to watch it to be a completionist. Um, and a movie fan, so I wanted to watch it. But I still, still beyond that, like, barely recommend it. Um, but I've come far. Um, and so, so all this to say that I initially thought that my holdout was I needed to know what this movie was about to watch it. I needed to, I needed some context. But considering I've come very far since then, what I've really settled on was my, my, my blocker was not that I didn't know. It was just that the public conversation, the, not Tarantino, but the public conversation made me feel dumb because everyone was talking about it and were like, oh fair. my God, I didn't, I didn't realize that he would do, and they were just kind of being very cryptic about it. And I was like, I don't understand it because I don't even understand the base reference that you're talking about. I don't right. know what this is. I don't know who Sharon Tate is. I don't know what any of this is. I, right. I, I'm just, and, and I'm, I'm an adventurous person. I'm open to going into any movie and it can be about anything. And as long as it's not like harming people, I'm very happy to give it a shot. So I didn't need to know. It just made me feel like, I should have known. But the considering that I've come so far since having let go of the public conversation means that if I had just gone into it having read nothing about this movie in a world where that's possible, I would have possibly really liked it. Can I can I throw a, a, a kind of a thesis or a question your way? Yeah. Do you think... I can't think of any movies that are like this movie. And what I mean by that is like, this is going to sound like the strangest possible comparison. But the first movie that came to mind, I was trying to think while you were while you were kind of talking about why you, you know, that you didn't have that knowledge and then going into it, it's like, okay, I didn't know any of this though, so how am I supposed to follow this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, but the first movie that came to mind was, I think it's called Remember Me. Uh, please let me know if you know this movie or if anyone knows what I'm talking about. It's the Robert Pattinson movie um, that came out in 
I don't know, the late 2000s, maybe early 2010s. Um, and it, it's a, it's a romance movie and it's, he writes letters to his fiance, the whole movie. And then at the end of the movie, I'm just going to spoil it because I, it's way too old. You mm-hmm. should have seen it by now. Uh, the end of the movie, it just turns out that he works in the trade centers and then it's 9-11. Like it comes out of nowhere. And I, I more than know what you're talking about. out of nowhere. Just honestly, like I remember sitting in the theater with, I th- think, I think I saw this movie with my girlfriend's mom. I assume my girlfriend was there too, but I honestly don't remember if she was. This is a weird segue, but anyway. Um, and I just remember looking at whoever I was with with kind of a mouth agape of like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the reason I bring that up is is I don't think that that's a good example. I also don't think Inglorious Bastards is a good example where like you, those movies are, are reliant on an event that I think it's inescapable that the audience does in fact know. Uh, I mean... Inglorious Bastards requires that you understand what World War II is and you know about the figure of Hitler. I think it's pretty safe to say that you do, but I don't think it's necessarily the same as saying you know uh, uh, about Sharon Tate and about the Manson murders. I don't think that those are internationally uh, ubiquitous as, as those other events. So my question to you is, do you think it's fair... And I mean fair as in, like, do you think it's fair from the filmmaker's perspective? Um, in other words, it's sort of your complaint that you didn't know anything about this movie. And then you walk, you don't know anything about the events that are that are surrounded. Mm-hmm. You walk in, it's about those events. And you are then left sort of feeling like, well, I didn't know about them. What the hell is happening? Do you think that's on the filmmaker? Do you think that's on you? And the reason I ask is because I've seen this counter argument where people have said, well, frankly, like you shouldn't be seeing Once Upon a Time unless you know, like mm-hmm. it's on you because you chose to go see this movie. Like you could have looked it up. You could have done a brief Google search and you could have found out about it. Mm-hmm. But I've seen another argument that says like, well, like you can't expect all audiences to do research on every movie. And therefore, if you're making a movie that's supposed to be enjoyed by everyone, then you should make your movie accessible. And I think my my thesis is I don't think he made this movie for everyone. And I don't think that you should. Like, I don't think that that's like a fair, even if you make a movie that's, you know, Tarantino's a big commercially successful director. He obviously puts out movies in wide distribution that are meant to be enjoyed by wide audiences. I don't think that's the same thing as saying that he intends for this movie to be fully enjoyed by people who don't know about the Manson murders. I think he intends for this movie to be fully enjoyed by those who do know about them and have some appreciation for the golden age because that's who he is. And I don't know where I fall on the question of like, is that fair or isn't fair? So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, so I think the bottom line for me is obviously you can make whatever you want, just make whatever art you want. And I don't think that he should be, I don't think anybody needs to be directing this as a question towards him. Like let him, you know, sure, make whatever you want. It's, it's not, it's not on you to have issued a pre-read for your movies or to, Whatever, you know, it's it's a classic, you can make whatever you want, but if people take issue with it, then sure, they do, you know, type of thing. And I think my my problem is mostly with a very small subject, subsection of people on the internet, it's just the extreme Tarantino bros. I think it's just them who want so badly to think that they're so smart for getting the ins and outs of his movies. And yes, they do have depth and they do have ins and outs, and it's really great that you're hardcore fan and take the time out to watch and rewatch and understand and, and thirst after his movies but they just want so badly to 
to to jump on their advantage as big big fans of him that they will take something that involves a slight prerequisite and just run with it and make everyone feel shitty and i think that they really went to town with this one so i think that that what I'm probably misframing as the public conversation about this movie it was mostly just a bunch of like film bros who were like, oh, you didn't get it? That sucks. And then a bunch of people felt alienated and they shouldn't Got have it. done that. So the, the movie the movie itself and even Tarantino is sort of less the target of your, your animosity and it's more the ridiculous conversation that surrounded it. Yeah, for me. Gotcha, gotcha. I think that's really fair. I think in particular... There is definitely a, I think you said it right, like Tarantino bros. There is definitely a group of them, and they are very insistent on letting you know that he is the greatest mind and the greatest auteur of his time, and his movies are the greatest, and you are a fool for not enjoying or knowing about them. And that's shitty. Like, that's not, uh, should not be a thing. Right. It's very much what keeps people, I think, from sometimes watching any of his movies. I certainly, at a, at a, at a fairly young age, was like, I'm probably not going to like any of them because of his fan base and then i turned out to like them but i was lightly alienated from the start that's fine i mean again you know it's, it's kind of on me but also kind of on them so you know he's, he's he's just got a very specific fan base i agree i don't know if you would agree with this do you think he makes do you think he makes those movies for those fans because i get the sense that a lot of the stuff in them like a lot of his his movies are all like you know they're they're drowning in references and 95 percent of them i still don't understand uh as someone who pays marginal attention to movies like i can't imagine someone who pays no attention sitting down and and watching those movies and fully appreciating them because you just can't like but i i also don't think that that's i don't think that it's like a thing where i don't think he intends for the fans who do get it 100 percent to be like ooh, we got it i think he's making it for him do you agree with that? Like, he just 100%. loves movies. 100%. Loves them. It's the And he's only putting thing. in these references because he just likes them. And he's like, this would be fun. And that's it. Like, there's no other reason for it. It is. Lo- that's, that's my, well, almost every director with a name or filmmaker of, of, of stance has a fan club. And every fan club has its bad side. I think that his his following is particularly toxic because the way they come across is bad, but it also obscures what is actually just a very, very passionate man beneath. He, like, as a person, if you if you learn anything about him, like, he just loves movies so much to the point where his fan base should actually be a bunch of people who inspire other people to make movies. Like, that is his level of passion for film. He just loves to educate others on films that they may not know about and talk about what he loves about all these movies. And he's basically just a letterboxed account holder. Like, this guy just loves making movies about movies. And he's just, he's movie man, you know? And it's great because he's also really good at it. So it's really good. And obviously, he's not asking for people. He's never asked people think that his movies are perfect and it's kind of one of the great things about him like he 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 isn't like if you don't love my movie then you don't deserve anything he's like you know what like if you don't like my movie then here are a bunch of movies you might like but i don't want to hear anything more about it and that's fair that's how art can be and which is why it's extremely annoying that his fans have taken his passion for film and his detail-oriented filmmaking and turned it into 
like a gatekeeping club. It's ridiculous because I I went from like a 12 year old who was intimidated to, to interact with a Tarantino fan online to learn that I love his movies so much and shouldn't feel bad about not knowing everything about them. Like it's insane. So that's how I feel about that. He's just a man who really loves cinema and everyone needs to chill. Okay, well, I think that was a very uh, fair and in-depth take on Tarantino. So uh, thank you for answering those questions for me because it's, uh, I don't know, it's just been like very, this movie happened so long ago that the conversation died out, but I haven't stopped talking about it or like thinking about it. So I was hoping to have someone to, uh, to answer those questions for me. So that brings us to our final movie, which is, of course, the movie we probably need to talk about the second least amount after the movie that shall not be named, mm-hmm. uh, but for better reasons, which is that it won Best Picture and everyone has been hearing about it nonstop, I assume. I hope. Uh, and that, of course, is Parasite. So why don't you tell us whether or not we should see Parasite? Mm-hmm. Let me think about that. Mm, parasite. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, you should, you should definitely see Parasite. For it is a fantastic movie. Um, it's like one of those times when the best picture wins best picture. And also, it's possibly one of the best movies of the decade. So, yeah, watch this movie now, yesterday. Watch it yesterday. Go back in time. Go back to the first day it was made and watch it. And then watch it again and then watch it every day up until today and then keep watching it. Yeah, it. I mean, I, I don't think you can like honestly understate how incredible this movie is um yeah i mean to just skip ahead to the last category who's this for honestly anybody um i just i can't imagine someone who wouldn't want to see this movie like the only thing i can think of is if you're somebody who doesn't like movies with like a lot of tension um not like a horror movie but if you're not a fan of thrillers or just any amount of tension then i guess skip it but honestly, yeah, you're right. Just just suck it up. Like, you have to still try. It's kind of like my comparison to everyone who's like, and I, I fully, I fully, to be clear, I'm on the side of movie wimps. Like, I used to be one when I was 11. Haha, <laughs> that's a roast. But if you're really scared of, like, thrillers, that's fine, to be honest. You don't have to watch every movie everyone says is good. But I think every so often, one comes along that's so good that you should suspend your fear. For example, when everyone was like, I'm too scared to watch horror movies, I'm not going to see Get Out, but then you should definitely have seen Get Out, even if you don't watch any other horror movies ever again. I think this is one of even those. Even I saw it. Yeah, Eric's a wimp, so I'll say it if you won't. Oh, uh, yeah, Shalila like can attest. You are definitely the horror movie side. I love of this them. I'll watch them all. I'll watch podcast. any of them. Yeah, but to be clear, Parasite is not a horror movie. No, it's not. I, I mean, it is for one group, and that group is the rich, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> oh, is it it's about not class? like inherently. Yeah, <laughs> surprise. Um, it's just not a horror movie. It's it's um, it uses some of those elements, but I mean. Uh, I'm going to use the actually tone switching as one of the selling points. This movie has one of the most fascinating series of tone switches I've ever seen. The first, I would say about half of the movie honestly did feel to some degree like an episode of Arrested Development to me. And that's not like a, like a bad thing. It was just the story of this like grifter family who, who are charlatans and they are trying to get the one up on this rich family because they can and because they're smarter or they think they are and because they're more capable and they need it more. 
And they do. And it's funny in the same way that Arrested Development is funny. They have very distinct personalities. They're all uh, kind of bombastic uh, in their own sort of like interesting ways. And they're so capable and, and maybe even better comparisons like a heist movie, like an, but more like a Soderbergh, like an Ocean's Eleven style where uh, everyone's sort of like witty and having a good time and they're all very um, uh, competent. And that's like one of the things you enjoy watching is just how competent they are. And then all of a sudden this movie changes. And when that change happens, it's really something to behold. This movie just becomes something so different and so grand and so terrifying, but without being a horror movie. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, really, I would say, like, if you... I don't know if Bong Joon-ho would call it a horror movie, to be honest. I haven't actually seen what he's called it. But I would say, like, if you want to call it a horror movie, it's because the horror of the movie is the the commentary that it's making. Like, in other words, like, who it's... the situation it's commentating on. Like the horror is that the movie has to exist in the first place to talk about a horror that exists. Like that's, it's really something else. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have anybody else that you would recommend this to? Like, who do you think would get the most out of it? I guess. I mean, these are, I, I, I'm with you that, that everyone should watch it, but I think um, something that, that really stood out to me in this movie is um, the, so I, this is obviously not something I knew a lot about, but have since read and watched a lot of, uh, really, really good film essays about this movie, but it is, it is, it's obviously a rumination on class and class consciousness and, uh, you know, horizontal struggles and sacrifice and empathy and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's very specifically, uh, about class in Korea and that obviously, because it's set there, but it, it, that comes out in ways that the average, especially American viewer, will absolutely miss. So all this to say, like, like for example, um, one of the things there's, you know, you know that film that that series on YouTube that's called Notes on a Scene, I think it is. Um, so Bong Joon Ho and I think it was the older son in the movie, I believe. Um, they do a a breakdown of I think the opening scene or one of the scenes from the movie where they talk about this is not a spoiler at all but the, the, the one of the families in this movie it lives in a semi underground house in Korea and it's a that's essentially a means that half of the house is underground the other half is not that's a very specific concept in Korea that um, people of a very specific class live in and there's all these all these things about like all these references that you would only pick up if you're either from Korea, familiar with the culture, or watch a lot of Korean cinema. There's also this scene where the son of this family is training his father to 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 sort of act a certain way in a scene, and he's giving him notes on how to physically act. It's sort of it's sort of he's saying, oh no, add a little more drama to it. Okay, now don't be so loud. And it's funny because the the son is played by a very junior actor, and the father is played by a, a very seasoned, absolutely fantastic, famous actor in Korea. Um, and honestly should be known beyond the bounds of Korea. Um, and it's, it's funny to those who are familiar with that, especially because it's this, you know, it's a young kid who's kind of like a, a boy band member teaching this extremely seasoned actor how to act. And it's funny. All these, all these things to say that these are very specific nuances of Korean society. And obviously this film resonates beyond that because it's about class. But I would say it, especially all this stood out to me because I was trying to think of this movie through the country that I am familiar with class struggles in. I, I'm certainly familiar with America as a concept, but I'm not an American. I know about class the way I've learned about it in India. 
And I've had to confront that a lot in a lot of different ways and my place in it and how I've, you know, my, my relationship with class, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a big thing in India, um, more so I would say than in America. And I think what was so interesting for me is to think about the, the ethnic ways in which this movie resonates. So this is a really long way to say that if you're interested in or have an, you are from a different place or just have an interest in how, um, you know, class reflects internationally. I think this is a really, really cool movie to watch and, and think about what you are yet to learn and what you maybe see differently through your own lens. Cause I definitely saw a lot that I'm not sure other, some, some of my friends did. And I also definitely missed a ton that I know a lot of other people picked up on. And also it's always cool to get into cinema that's not just in your language. And if this is the movie that gets you into, I don't know, Korean cinema or foreign cinema or anything else, this is a really, really good way to start. Um, if you're interested in just, you know, broadening your horizons, watching something maybe you haven't watched before. Um, and yet yeah, it's, it's genre bending. And if you also, if you just love, like you said, like think pieces about grifting, like this is your movie. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's interesting that you bring that up because one of my favorite quotes that I've seen from Bang Joon-ho, is, it's not an opposition to what you just said, but it's almost like the, the not contradiction, but it's sort of like the other side of the coin where he was talking about his, his sort of surprise, but then his realization at why this movie was successful. And I've seen, you know, it's come up as a meme a lot on, on Twitter and the internet. But um, basically, they asked him about it. And he said, you know, I intended to make a movie about uh, about the class structure in Korea. And it turns out that uh, everyone around the world lives in, I think he says something about like, we all live in the same country. And it's a country called capitalism. capitalism. Yeah. And I just thought that was such an interesting, like, you know, I think you're right. Like, there's a lot in this movie that I do not understand i've had to really educate myself on different aspects not because you need to understand them to enjoy the movie you don't to be clear um but you will get more out of it if you do seek it out after or before um for example there's a a, well, a rock basically for mm -hmm. no i mean i don't know even know what else to say but there's a rock um that is present in the movie that i didn't like you don't necessarily need to know everything about it to get why it's important but once i learned about it after i was like oh wow that's actually very interesting like there's there's a lot of history and a lot of culture mm -hmm. surrounding this it object really that is completely missed unless yeah yeah exactly and unless you're you're of that culture or a culture that has a similar device it's not going to mean as much but the base concepts of the movie are universal and that's kind of what he's pointing out here is like it, this is an evil that everyone faces i mean to be really on the nose it is a parasite that everyone uh, is familiar with literally around the world um, and that's what I think is so interesting is that sort of his statement and your statement go very hand in hand. He made a deeply specific, culturally powerful movie that also happens to be universal, uh, at the same time. And I think that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've talked about Parasite on virtually every podcast we've done so far. Uh, I don't As know how deserved. else we could laud it. Uh, it really is. I just don't know how else we could lot it. It really was incredible. So I guess I don't really have anything else to add other than you have to see it. Um, if you can, I would see it in theaters. It's just that good. It's just that worth seeing. And the sound is honestly pretty incredible at certain points. But even if not, I don't care. Like watch it on your phone, watch it on the plane. Just seek it out. Do it. Do whatever you need to do to see it. Okay, so that is our 
uh, parasite segment, and that is the end of our best picture ketchup. Um, ketchup, ketchup. That definitely sounds like I'm talking about a condiment. Uh, But anyway, now you know whether or not you should see those movies. Uh, We definitely encourage you to see at least several of them right away. Um, But before we get to some games, we're going to do a quick lightning round. These are movies that did not receive a Best Picture nomination, but we are still advocating that you should see them in some way, shape, or form, uh, as in they were Oscar-nommed, but they were not uh, uh, Best Picture nominations, and most of them definitely fall in the same bucket. They are, uh, you know, like you can easily rent them or probably stream them at this point. Um, So I'll just give you a couple that I have uh, right off the top of my head. Um, So The Two Popes, which is also on Netflix, really amazing performances from both actors uh, and a pretty interesting little commentary on the Catholic Church. Um, Definitely more nuanced than other things I've seen. I would recommend that. Um, I'm also, of course, which isn't like a unique thing, but I would recommend Knives Out. I love Knives Out. Uh, It is just such a fun, weird, quirky little uh, like detective story. Um, It very much feels like you're watching uh, um, what is that thing called? The the Orient Express. What is the full title? Uh, Murder in the... Is that not it? Murder, Murder in the Orient Express. Express. Thank you. Yes. It definitely feels like you're watching that movie, except if it was like, what if everyone was kind of dumb? And it's just like the best... I don't know. I, I loved it. It just it was exactly my type of movie. Really recommend it. Um, and I think my third recommendation... Uh, is I would say Klaus because I loved that movie, but I'm actually going to go a different route and I'm going to maybe take one from you. So I apologize if I'm stealing one of yours. Uh, Missing Link. Uh, that was a, a, a... Leica is just doing really great animation work. Um, they're definitely worth seeing. Um, it, it's not the best one of their movies, personally. I don't think so anyway, but it's it's just different. I mean, in this current world of like primarily... Um, sort of like 3D modeled animation that's dominated by Pixar and by Disney and DreamWorks and Blue Sky and Fox and etc. It's nice to see something different and they really are doing like different interesting kind of quieter work so I think that's worth seeing. I'm also going to plug a personal thing that I want to watch. Um, I need to see like I'm going to make it a priority to catch up on Pain and Glory um, which was the Antonio Banderas um Almodovar movie that was nominated uh, for Best Actor last year or for 2019 and was supposed to be incredible and I just didn't see it. So that is going to be my own personal catch-up. So do you have any to add to our lightning round? I sure do. I want to hardcore second Knives Out. Love that movie so, so much. And also we've talked a lot today about um, movies that are very deeply reminiscent of our modern times even though they may not be this movie is just straight up about our modern times like ryan johnson was like i'm gonna write about it about i'm gonna write this whole movie about a family today and it's really funny and worked great so definitely watch that do not miss it it's probably like the top of my recommendation list to be honest next to parasite somehow so just like watch it in different ways obviously but just just watch it. it's really good next one rocket man um, I really liked Rocket Man. I kind of wish that we had started this podcast for some reason back when Rocket Man came out because I think I could do a really big defense of why I think this was a great movie and got both undue criticism and buried a little bit. Um, it, and and I'll, I'll just sum it up with it. It's so weird to me that Rami Malek got and won, I think, best actor for the... Did he? Something like that? 
he won, yeah, right? He I'm not mistaking this. I think I just blanked it out because I was so angry about it. Um, I'm not angry about it. It's good. He, fine. Um, but, like, it's so weird to me that Bohemian Rhapsody got all this attention and he won and all this blah, blah, blah. And I just think Rocket Man was such a good movie. Um, not, it's, it's, it's flawed, but it's such a, like, beautiful and fun and dynamic movie. And Taron Edgerton got nothing. And that whole thing was paid dust. And I'm really mad about it. And I think people should watch it. Um, it's, even even if you're not an Elton John fan, like that doesn't even matter. Just go um, and add Astra. I can't believe you didn't mention that. I didn't see it. Ah, fair. I haven't watched it. I know. I, I failed out. That's fine. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen it either. But I love Brad Pitt and I love Daddy Issues in Space. So watch that movie with me and then we'll all revisit it. Yeah, I... I like it's not because I didn't want to like to be clear like when that movie first hit and I saw the trailers for it and I was like oh boy this is my shit Tommy Lee Jones Brad Pitt like just the whole shtick I love (laughs) high concept sci-fi I didn't like Interstellar so to see like we're gonna do an episode on that another I know I gotta rewatch it but to see basically something that looked like it was supposed to be like almost like a response or like a like another attempt and with that cast, I was like, God, I'm going to see this for sure. And then today is now, and I haven't. So <laughs> We'll both watch it, and we'll talk about it. That's fantastic. Um, okay, so that was our quick lightning round. So now we're going to play a couple of games. Uh, first, an e- a pretty easy one, a pretty simple little short one. Shalila, if you could replace the cast of any one of the Best Picture nominees with another one of the cast of any other Best Picture nominee, which would you switch? And tell me why. I really hope that you have a, a good answer to this because I'm about to give a swirly, jokey, and disappointing answer. Go for it. <laughs> I think it would just be so funny <laughs> if the cast of The Irishman switched with the cast of Little Women for absolutely no reason other than they are ensembles and they both skip time. I just want to see an Irishman, but it's about old, retired women, ex-mafia ladies who are reflecting on their life. Got it. I understand. Okay, so sorry, I had that backwards. I thought you wanted De Niro to be to be Shersha Ronan. But what you're saying is you want Shersha Ronan to play Jimmy Hoffa. Like you want it to no, be. No, I want you, both. You want. Oh, you want both. Okay, got it. Got it. Got we're it. We're switching it, got it. this permanently. It's the, we're now, moving to the universe where we've never seen the other one. Do Does De Niro and Pacino and Pesci, do they play women or is, is it called Little Men? <laughs> it's called Little Men. and Okay, got it. But they have the same problems. Now, wait, I have a question. Isn't Little Man a thing? Isn't that a book? I think, didn't she write a sequel? I mean, I'm silent because I have no idea. I think that's a thing. And I, when I say oh that, what I mean God. is, when yeah. I was reading the Wikipedia for Little Women, I think it mentioned that there was a Little Man. This is very true. And it also says on Google, preceded by good wives. So I think she just wrote a version of this about every part of society. Okay. Well, I like it. Honestly, um, I, I got to say, I vote more for the second. I would definitely like to see Sher Ronan, Emma Watson, 
uh, Florence Pugh, Laura Dern, and I always apologize to that actress because I never remember her name, um, but the uh, actor who plays Ama in Sharp Objects. Um, I would like to see them be in a mafia movie and to play mafia members. I think that would be interesting. It would be outside of their wheelhouse. I think it would push Saoirse Ronan a little bit. She's been in a lot of period pieces, a lot, and I think it'd be good for her to be a little outside of her comfort zone. And I would like to see Laura Dern as like a mafia boss. I think that would be interesting. I believe that's what Ma- Laura Dern does in her free time, in her real life. She's probably a mafia boss. Probably. She's too powerful to probably. not do something like that. I, I Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. Is there another cast that you would switch? There is. And I think that you are going to be surprised. I... I'm not going to switch. I'm, I'm going I'm to replace one. I don't want it to go the other direction, but I'm just going to replace. Okay. I would like to take the Irishman cast, and I would like to replace the cast of the Joker. <laughs> I know we just said we're never going to talk about the Joker again, oh, but stick with me here. It's Here's called where I'm Joker, going Eric. It's called Sorry, Joker. it's called Joker. I refuse to call it Joker. It's not called Batman. It's called The Batman. Never mind. I hate it so much. Here we go. Um... <laughs> Here's why. I think you keep De Niro in the same role, since he's in both movies. Easy peasy. I think The Joker is a far more interesting movie if it's not a Joker origin movie, which was always stupid, but if it's a Joker retirement movie. (laughs) And Al Pacino plays old Joker. And it's about the Joker ruminating on his life. And... Why I think that would be more interesting is because you're still going to have the components of whether or not he's insane, like whether or not these ruminations are actually sound or not. You can even include the same kind of bits of like, is he actually in the asylum right now or whatever? But the whole thing should be him looking back on what it was to be the Joker. And that's what the movie is about. Because then it can not only be meta commentary on the same stuff if they want it to be, they can actually this time try to talk about mental health and try mm-hmm. to talk about society's role and about the role that our our governments and about the wealthy and about how everyone plays in, in the treatment of, of uh, those with severe mental health needs. But it can also be a meta commentary on the Joker and the legacy of Batman and like what that all means if we took it a little more seriously like to actually look back and say like what is it to still want to make movies about a homicidal maniac character and then in text to say what if that guy was still alive like what does that mean what does it mean to have been beaten every day in the face by a extra militant vigilante like what does that all lead to And then you keep Robert De Niro as your talk show host that is probably like the, almost like the Jojo Rabbit Hitler character to, to Pacino's Joker. Like he's, he's in the room more. He's more involved. And then Joe Pesci, I don't care. Joe Pesci can play Joe Pesci. I don't really, he's wonderful. Get him in there. Maybe he plays Marv uh, from Home Alone. You know, he's in there. He's in the Gotham yeah, universe now. Yeah, just put him in there. Literally, just put him in there. It doesn't matter. Like he can be, he can be his roommate. He could be his, uh, he could be his asylum mate. I don't care. I'm just going to posit that if you did a Joker retirement movie with the exact cast of The Irishman, it would have been a far better movie. So that's my bid. I love it. Yeah. I don't think my movie will ever get made, but I really like it in my head. It's fantastic. I but I might also want to see Matt Damon and Christian Bale do 1917. 
You know, I thought about that. <laughs> that was actually my other. I was like, you know what? I kind of want to see Matt Damon just, just tired, go you know? through the trenches. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, oh, my back. <laughs> gotta gotta stop for okay. a while. Can I throw out? Can I throw out one alternative? Please. Since if you just presented an alternative, yeah. I'm gonna throw out one more. Uh, Leo and Brad as the marriage story couple. <laughs> I love it. Wouldn't that be kind of good? That would, that would also, it'd be, be very timely for Brad Pitt. Like, that's not like, I don't mean to dig at you, Brad Pitt. That's not yeah, why. It's I'm just so fact. Sorry. Like, you did just recently split up. Uh, I feel like it would be kind of interesting. Throw them in there a little bit. Now, granted, to my knowledge, neither of those men are, are gay, and that might be uh, a little problematic. But also, I would really enjoy seeing Leo and Brad Pitt play a divorcing couple. I think there could be some interesting things going on there. Also, again, not to dig at you, Leo, because I, you know, I don't want to shoot any future career I would have in the foot. But the fact that I'm going to put him in the Adam Driver role, by the way, mm-hmm. because the whole point of that is that Adam Driver sl- sleeps with someone who's younger than Scarlett Johansson, and Leo has a factual track record. I'm not passing judgment on you, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, in case you control the strings of my future. But it is a fact. It's just a statistical fact. That's uh, true. So that's where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> which leads into the best quote from Marriage Story, which is, you shouldn't be mad that I cheated on you. You should be mad that I had a laugh with her. Yes, exactly. What is that line? Exactly. Can you imagine seeing Leo tell Brad Pitt that he wants to rat? He says, I wish you were dead. Like he did in the Friends Every episode. Day, Every day, I wish you were dead. Every day, I wake yeah. up and I wish you were dead. Wouldn't you want to see that? I want to see that whole oh, scene. They should just do the scene for us. That scene. <laughs> Wait. When did they stop doing that? There was a couple Oscars in a row where they did that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes. They would play Best Picture clips, but they would have different actors play the roles. And they stopped doing that. I think they should do it. I think that the Oscars should bring that back. They should bring back when people are... Like, they have the, the other casts play the other casts in, like, quick little shorts. I think that's funny. Um, I would love that. Anyway, that was it. Thank you for playing uh, today's episode of uh, uh, Cast Switch. I'll come up with a better name. Uh, what is your game that you have for us today? Okay, mine's mine's pretty bad, but we're going to roll with it. Um, and it's also very related to my answer to yours because I was just thinking about my game the whole time because I only think about myself. Um, so the my game is... So you know how two of the movies uh, that are up for Best Picture feature prominent time switches, right? The Irishman and Little Women. They're both yeah. movies that flash back and forth from the present to the past, and it's an important part of the storytelling. Um, if you were to just have that randomly happen to another movie that's in this lineup, that it would be told in a non-linear format, which one would it be? Which um. one of these movies would you have that happen to? Either as a serious attempt to reframe it as a non-linear narrative or just you think it would right. be really funny if this were to revisit either the past or the future no i'm i'm with you um we might have to mention the movie that must not be named again <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm not gonna go with that one that is an interesting that's an interesting bid but i thought about that but i'm actually gonna go with once upon a time i think um what i would like to see is I want, because it was just so enjoyable to watch, I want a little more of um, Leo and Brad in their prime in that movie. Like, I, I want to see, like, when he was really doing the westerns and when when, when Rick Dalton was, like, a, a really 
popular guy before he kind of hit this like dead end that he's at now. And I want to see it flash back and forth basically between here's what I guess I'm asking in that movie. You spend time with Sharon Tate as she is on the verge of becoming a star. So what I want to see is a flashback and forth between the present in which Rick Dalton and uh, Cliff Booth, wow, look at that memory, um, are on the outs. I want it to flashback to when they were on the verge of becoming a rising star. And I want to see basically that duality of like, what does that look like and how do they differ from Sharon Tate? Because a key thesis of that movie is that Sharon Tate is 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 very... Um, uh, she means good things like there's there's goodness in her and there's there's good things for her in her future and her career so yeah that's what i want to see i, I want to see a little more of that also just because it's fun I, I would love to spend more time with with those characters rick dalton and cliff booth in their stupid sets and and being ridiculous so yeah they have a great relationship i really enjoyed seeing them play off each other in the movie so yeah more yeah. of that is good that's my bid what's yours I don't, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari, but I guess I want to see them retired. Do they still think about cars? I don't know. Can I, can I tell you something? Yeah, please do. Ford versus Ferrari is the right answer. I just can't tell you why without spoiling it. Oh. There's a, there's a legitimate story to be told there. That makes me want to watch uh, the you, movie. You picked the right one. Okay. Like there, there is legitimately an answer to your question, like a, like a real answer um, that could if you remade that movie, you could strengthen that movie or you could even, if you wanted it to make a, I don't know, like a, if you wanted to extend it, make it a, a Netflix eight episode miniseries or an HBO miniseries or something. There is a format that you could do that with. Uh, but to say why would be a spoiler. So I'll, I will say is you are, you're 100% of the money. Uh, what you, what you're asking for is you want to see their present and their future. Yes. And I, you were right on it. This is how I passed math in high school. I used to get the right answer, but I didn't know how. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to make you show your work. It's okay. Lovely. Thank you very much. This is why we get along. I'll spoil it for you when we stop recording. Great. Okay. I, I do want that. Okay. Um, lovely. I feel like those were, those were appropriately silly games. I enjoyed that. I think so, too. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been our uh, Best Picture Rundown episode, Should You Catch Up or Not. Um, that's the title I just gave it. I have no idea if that's the real title. Uh, it's probably going to be much better. But, um, yeah, we definitely, like, I'm going to speak for Shalila here and just say that, like, we advocate that you go out and see movies when you can, especially in the theater, even if we said that it doesn't matter, like, for particular ones. Still try if you can, and I will say like try to go to a local theater if you have that option i know that's like very limited and especially if you're in a non-major city that can often be difficult um but if you can support your indie theaters they are uh kind of like last bastions of distribution of smaller movies which many of these are so uh yeah support them if you can and if not uh definitely rent them or at least stream them or some of them uh don't and that's our that's our hot take um yeah. So do you want to do our normal streaming plugs? Yes. I'll start then. Yeah, please do. Um, can I cheat a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. Mine isn't streaming, <laughs> which I know is the entire the basis of everything rule. we just said and do. It's the only rule, but I'm going to cheat. I I'm sure you could stream it. Everything assume, is streamable. But 2020. Yeah. Um, I just saw this movie today and that's why I, I have to talk about it right now because the more I sit with it, the more I love it. Uh, a Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you saw it. which was uh, 
is a French film that came out last year, and it was one of the shortlisted uh, submissions by France for the Academy Awards for the best uh, international feature, I believe is what they call it now. Um, but they ended up going a different direction, and it did not make the the nomination. However, uh, Bong Jun Ho talked about it nonstop, and it was considered to be the I don't know, like only maybe maybe the best way to say it is like only real competition with Parasite. Like it was considered to be the the other movie that that may have sort of been the best movie of last year. I just saw it today, and it is pretty incredible. Uh, the longer that I sit with it, the more that I like it. Um, I have a lot of thoughts that I don't have fully formed yet. Uh, I'll probably write something on that here soon. Um, but it is a uh, it is a really beautiful romance. Um, and I don't know how much else I can say. There's almost like nothing to spoil. All I can say is that it's just a, it is a beautiful film in how overwhelmingly in love it is with love as like a concept, not always in a positive way, but just as a concept. So yeah, that's my, that is my recommendation. If you have that ability or chance, which I know is very limited, it got a very limited release. Um, please see a portrait of a lady on fire. I'm definitely going to go see it. So you sold me one person. Um, no, I've You're only heard very, 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 very good things about it. So I'm deeply excited. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's hit theaters in the UK yet, which is tragic. Um, but as soon as I might be wrong on that, but I've been checking the apps. So probably right. Um, but I'm going to see it as soon as I can. Um, I'm also going to cheat a little. Mine is streaming, but I'm actually going to make you do the recommendation for the movie that I picked because I'm going to just tell okay. you right now you're the right person for this. Phantom Thread is streaming on Netflix. Phantom Thread. And here's why you should watch it. <laughs> you know what's really funny about that? Mm -hmm. While I was watching A Portrait of a Lady on Fire, there was at one point where I was like, man, this is a lot like a Phantom Thread. <laughs> wow. We, we didn't discuss this before. <laughs> That's actually really No, funny. we really didn't. This is very on the spot. Um but it really is, uh, it's not like it in plot or anything like that. It's just, there's something about it that feels familiar. It almost feels like a spiritual cousin or something. Mm. Um, Phantom Thread, yes. This uh, is a movie. It is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. um, starring Daniel Day-Lewis and other people um, who I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture... Two years ago, mm -hmm. one year ago, one of those two, and uh, it is a very good, very weird movie uh, about a. Uh, I think it's based on a real person, or based on a, a you know, not. Um, it's influenced by a real person, I believe, and a real, um, a real dress house. I don't really, know, I don't know a lot of the lingo. This was very much like this movie felt so alien to me. Because I am in no way British, and also it's like British high society, basically. Uh, but it's not like it's about high society, but it's about the guy who makes their dresses. And it was just so overwhelmingly not in my wheelhouse that the whole thing felt like I was watching. It, it may as well have been fantasy to me. Um, but basically, this guy makes dresses uh, for like the wealthy and the rich. And um, I don't know why I said wealthy and rich. Those are the same thing. And um, yeah, I don't know how else to talk about this movie without spoiling it. 
all I can say is that the trailers made it look very boring. It is not. Uh, it is not a movie about dresses. Um, it is a movie about uh, the duel that happens between lovers uh, that can happen between lovers and that can also happen between employers and their employees. And I don't really know what else to say without spoiling it. It's just one of the the strangest, like, most tension-filled movies that I saw that year. And I don't know if I would watch it again, but I very much enjoyed it when I watched it. I, I left the theater just sort of, like, agape at, like, what was that? Like, I can't believe that's what happened kind of a feeling. My favorite thing about this is I talked to you, I think, a day after you watched this movie back then. Really? And Yeah, I know you don't remember this because you were on the clock <laughs> and so was I. We were both working. Uh-oh. Anyway, I was not doing my job and instead talking to you about this movie. Um, and I remember you telling me basically the exact same thing. You basically just said the same words again, but two and a half years later. And it's kind of magical. You just, you have felt the same it, way yeah. very consistently. It's a convincing movie. Yeah, it's very consistent. Like, I don't, I don't know if my opinion could have changed. It's just, I don't know. I don't know whose movie, like, I don't know. I would love to meet the person who this is their favorite movie. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, yeah, it, it's something else. Um, yeah, no, you, you had a good pick. So did you finally watch it? Is that... <laughs> I would love to say I did, but I, I hit play and I got a little into it and I was like, I need to be in a different mood for this. It is a, it's a movie you have to be in the right mood but for, I was for sure. In, though. It was not, not like it goes, goes hard from the beginning or anything. It doesn't, but it was cool. It was weird. Yeah. That's actually a good thing to note. It is not a, this is a slow burn of a movie. Like it is a, it is a real, they lit the kindling and then. I don't know. It probably takes three quarters of the way through the movie before you're like, oh, good God, it's on fire. Like, and it, it sort of comes out of nowhere. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, I love it. I love that. That's what I'm looking for. If anyone else is looking for that, yeah. watch this and then text me so we can discuss it. Great. So there you go. Those were recommendations. A Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Phantom Thread, one of which is in theaters. And I have no doubt that you can rent it uh, since it technically came out last year and the other of which is currently streaming on Netflix. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, I said that, but also it's it's definitely on UK Netflix. might be elsewhere. There you go. So where can the folks find you to hear more of your recommendations? Absolutely. Um, I am extremely findable on twitter.com at the handle OKShalila, just the letters OK and my name, Shalila. Um, what about you, Eric? I am also on Twitter at more Eric, more Alice, uh, exactly how it sounds, I guess. Um, yeah. And you can look there for, uh, links to other stuff that we do. And we are also now on Spotify. Very exciting. This is like our first big public announcement, like over the podcast, we're on Spotify. So, uh, please check us out. You can either go to Spotify. Are you still watching or Patreon? Are you still watching? If you'd like to hear our episodes slash support us, I guess. Um, yeah, we're everywhere. Yeah. And we appreciate you. We appreciate each other. We appreciate movies and we'll be back with more. Yes, we will. Uh, next week we're going to be covering, uh, some more movies that have come out or will be coming out in like sort of this two week gap. So if you, uh, I think it's starting to warm up 
kind of everywhere, not in like the existential, the planet's dying way, but in like a, it's finally not cold anymore way. Uh, so if you feel like going to the movies, we will have some recommendations for you. So we will see you then, everybody. Bye.